Jazz88. I'm chatting with Kevin Gamble and Jedediah Jones in celebration of Jay Dilla's birthday. Jay Dilla was born February 7th, 1974, passed away from a rare blood disease and lupus in 2006 at the young age of 32. Now, I'm here with Jedediah Jones and Kevin Gamble. Jedediah Jones, a well-known voice on Jazz 88. On top of that, a music producer and a Dilla enthusiast. Jedediah, thank you for hanging out today. Yes, sir. No problem. And Jedediah was nice enough to connect me with Kevin Gamble, who's a busy keyboardist in town who grew up loving Jay Dilla. Kevin Gamble, you switched some things around to be here today. Thank you for doing that, my friend. Oh, man, no problem, no problem. Now, I got some questions for you, too, but I want to establish why it's important to celebrate a hip-hop producer on a jazz station. And I think there's some clear reasons to do that for Mr. Jay Dilla. There's been a lot of influential producers in the world of hip-hop, but no other producer has had as tangible an impact on a whole generation of instrumentalists and the way they relate to music. And when I say tangible, this is what I mean. There's voicings, progressions, rhythmic motifs, and whole kinds of grooves that are now almost required to be a musician in the modern era, and those all point back to Dilla. Even if you haven't heard the man's music directly, if you've heard a hi-hat that's on the beat, with a bass drum that's ahead of the beat, and a snare drum that's behind the beat, you've heard Dilla. If you've heard a 6251 turned into a 652566, you've heard Dilla. Understanding Dilla is a shortcut to understanding the sounds of Robert Glasper, of Domi and J.D. Beck, of Keon Harold, of Noah, and of many other players. That's why we're celebrating him on a jazz station today. My first question is for Jedediah Jones. Jedediah, how did you first become aware of Jay Dilla, and what impact has his work had on yours as a producer? Uh, so I first got introduced to Jay Dilla. <clears throat> so it was my older brother, uh, Levi. He had a, he was, or he still is a huge Jay Dilla fan. And so uh, he used to play him a, around me a lot when I was growing up, when I was about a kid. Like, I can remember as early as eight, nine, ten years old. And um, from then on, I just became a fan gradually. And it wasn't until high school to where I became a huge Jay Dilla fan. <laughs> and uh, the impact he's had on my style of music is like, I'm real big on sampling, but I'm also real big on wanting to create my own melodies and my own sound as well. Because that's also something that uh, I've heard Jay Dilla was also told as well. I think somebody had told him or he heard that, oh, you, you're always sampling melodies. You can't come up with your own. So... What did Jay Dilla do? He created a whole album with his own melodies. And he also has a power to exert his own sensibilities over samples that I don't always hear. Sometimes you think of a great sample, you go, oh, what a great photographer. You find something. But it also seems like through sheer will, Jay Dilla could take something that was clearly written to be sad and make it joyous, take something that was written to be joyous and make it sad. Now, Kevin Gamble, there's incredible stuff that Jay Dilla did in the world of rhythm, and we'll get into that. Um, but he's also really harmonically influential. Jedediah just mentioned the fact that the man could also write his own melodies as well as find melodies from other people and create them. As you've uh, become one of the most busy, working, in-demand keyboard players in the Twin Cities, how did a producer like Dilla impact your sort of harmonic plan and your work on the keyboard? Just for me, like just the way he would like approach like sampling chords and like reharmonizing them and through through sampling I find myself like doing the same thing like taking chords and and re reharmonizing them and uh, making them my own as he did and just through 
like not just like harmonically, but like rhythm rhythm wise. Like I I would I like that backbeat feel. I I love man that groove. I like I snares man. <laughs> it's just crazy, but yeah, just the way he heard it in his head, reharmonizing samples and making it his own. I definitely do that myself. Well, that that is a beautiful thing, and I, when you guys both mentioned sort of the, the snares and the groove in addition to the reharmonization, and he's one of those folks who took a lot of sort of take-it-for-granted parts of hip-hop production and said, actually, there can be real art and expression here. And I, I think about that a lot in the jazz setting, which is like you always have to pay attention to what Elvin Jones is doing with his hi-hat. That might not be true as much with great R&B drummers, but they sort of go, hey, here's what's going on with the hi-hat. Now listen to the tune. Now listen to the snare drum. Listen to the fills. There was always an opportunity for world-class anything on J-Doe. This is world-class tambourine. This is world-class whistling, world-class hand claps, and that that level where anything could be truly worthy of study and celebration to me is one of my favorite things about Jay Dilla. I'm hanging with Kevin Gamble and Jedediah Jones, two young producers, players who grew up admiring the production of Jay Dilla and nice enough to spend some time uh, chatting about Jay Dilla on occasion of his birthday. Are y'all both familiar with the term drunken for like the drunken Dilla sound? Do you know what we're talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, that backbeat, that just laying back. I mean, it existed. The people have been played behind the beats before for certain. Muddy Waters is somebody who would often sing, you know, full quarter note and a half behind where you might expect a lyric to come in. But in the modern era, it completely changed how produced music, sampled music, music made out of an MPC or an EPS or any of these things. He took technology that was designed to drain the humanity out of music and create perfection. And I said, who cares about perfection? I want I want to put humanity into these machines. You know, I've spent, I don't know, seven hours of my life on a drum machine. Jedediah, I bet you've probably done that this week. Kevin, I bet that's probably the same. As, as y'all work on some of the same technology that Jay Dilla did, how do you work to get that humanity inside that box that can often be unrelentingly sort of non-humane, inhumane? Well, uh, what I like to do is like sometimes uh, – I'm a little big on quantizing my my drums and my everything else that comes with it, but sometimes I like to just, I want to have a little swing to it. So I'll kind of move it over a little bit just to kind of get that extra extra sound out of it just to keep them engaged. So uh, that, that's what I take from it, just being able to uh, kind of like what Jay Dilla did, just moving that around a little bit because I want them to hear it just like, just like how he did. He wants them to hear the music the way he interprets it to be. Yeah. How about you, Kevin? Right, yeah. You know, same here. Like, for me, when I'm, uh, like, making beats, like, there's, like, like, like Jess said, not, not having everything just on point. Even, like, when I'm laying down keys, just just making it, making them behind and, and just making it more groovy. And, well, for me, I feel, like, more of the passion coming from my beats when I, when I'm like just playing it naturally and not, and not adding, you know, that the computerized, uh, on the beat gotta be, cause it, it just, it takes away from, from the musicality of, of your own unique style. Yeah. I think. And I think it was a, a source interview year. I mean, we're talking 25 years ago with Questlove and he said something like, Oh no, 
Still stuff loops. It's just like 80 bars, right? Like <laughs> every, every 80 bars is connecting. You go, man, it's just a lot of just human drumming on those machines. Now, of course, uh, Kevin and Jedediah, y'all are part of a generation raised on Dilla. But I think one thing Dilla would certainly not want the world to do is to just stay doing exactly what he's done. He was an innovator. He pushed himself. Uh, Jedediah, you mentioned the fact that when folks said he could only handle samples, he turned around and released an album that was really built on live instrumentation. For the next producer who is as groundbreaking and as visionary as Dilla is, what do you think their contribution will be? Obviously, if you knew it exactly, we'd just all go do it and be millionaires. But <laughs> where, do you, where do you think that next level of innovation will come from? I would say right now we're kind of in a time where a lot of things are starting to uh, revert back in time. Mm. And uh, I, I say this, so uh, uh, God rest his soul, uh, 45 King. He was one of the most innovative music producers of all time, and I don't think he really gets a lot of, uh, he, he didn't really get his flowers that much. This man would make a, a hi-hat out of clicking something, like a, like a tic-tac on a, on a table, <laughs> or uh, bending a record or something like that, and he would just come up with a lot of his beats like that, so I think the next person would probably uh, have a lot of fun and a lot of uh, a lot of success by being as innovative as Forty Five King was. I like that, Jedediah. Plus, every everything everything you say sounds so authoritative. I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Kevin Gamble, how about you? It's so crazy right now. Like with all the with all the access we have to like different different sounds and different different ways to record. I mean, I I think we're like in a age right now where where we're like witnessing like producers like changing changing the game and 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 pushing pushing things forward but like like Jed said you know like we're seeing a lot of producers like kind of going back to I don't know it's like we're like things are being like flipped at the same time where a lot of the stuff that sounds newer is just stuff that's been um been like recycled before and just in new ways gotcha well folks we've been talking about the sounds of jay dilla on occasion of his birthday we certainly want to thank everybody who uh helped dilla become who he was and thanks of course to james yancey for giving us such incredible music there's surely people in this audience who are hearing the name jay dilla hearing about his contributions to music for the first time, and Jedediah, I'll turn it to you first. For somebody who hasn't explored the catalog of Jay Dilla, is there a song, an album, a moment that you think might be a good point of departure for somebody to start digging into his music? I would say so for a song in general, <clears throat> and this song gets me every almost almost every time it brings tears to me. It's uh, it's off of his um, this is uh, the shining right? Yeah, yeah, uh, the shining. Yeah, yeah. So far to go. Uh, so your recommendation is so far to go. Jay Dilla with Common and D'Angelo off The Shining. That would be the song I recommend, and then for an album. And for this album, it's not really an, an official release. You can find this on YouTube. Kevin, you know about this. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's that, uh, that's I think that it's 1994. I think it's that Slum Village Volume it's like, 1. It's it? like 94 to 96, I think it is. If you go on YouTube and search up like Jay Dilla, it's like a beat tape from 94, 96. Yep. And I want y'all to think about this. This was 1994. Think about the music that you heard mainstream coming out in 94 and then listen to what Dilla was doing in 94. Yeah, different universe. Kevin Gamble, recommendations for folks who are just going to f- go down that first Jay Dilla rabbit hole. Where should they start? Oh, man. Like, and it's it's so hard because there's so many great albums. But I, I would say like the uh, Fantastic Volume 2. Slum Village. Yeah, Slum, Slum Village. That, that whole... The whole album, like, and don't skip, don't skip. <laughs> you gotta go from one track to the next. Even, even volume, fantastic volume one. Right. Though both of those are incredible. But if I was to choose one song, and it, it, it well, it was on uh, uh, Commons, uh, water, water for chocolate, like water for chocolate, like water for chocolate album. Yeah, and and, and slum. Slum Villages, Fantastic Volume 2, is the Thelonious. Yes. Yeah, beautiful piano loop that's completely just redone. Oh, song. my. And, okay, so I have a second one. You go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> um, which, is, uh, which is on Common's album, um, Like Water for Chocolate, is The Light. That's the The way that man, the way that man sampled Bobby Caldwell, yeah. he made it, and this this is what makes him so incredible to me. He makes he made that track sound like it was supposed to be played that way, right. like just seamlessly. Just if you if you if you didn't know who Jay Dilla was and you you just heard that track, you'd be like, oh. Okay, they got together and, and, and right. you know, it's just <laughs> insane to me. And that, like, for all his tracks, he, I mean, he took, uh, there is a track of him uh, where he sampled uh, James Brown's It's a Man's World and took it, you know, he took it from, because that song is in 3-4 and he made it 4-4, four, four, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't think we were going to get into European philosophy here, but my dad uh, studied philosophy and economics. And I guess there's some quote. I, I think I got this right, but uh, somebody said to this philosopher, Hegel, they said, uh, it's like you, you, you found Marx and you flipped him up on his head. And he goes, no, I found Marx flipped up on his head and I flipped him the right way. And in the same way, I feel like for a lot of these Dilla samples, it's, oh, you totally flipped that thing around. It's so crazy. It's like, no. Right. I flipped it around so correctly. This, this <laughs> is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> they had it wrong. Uh, as, an honorable, as an honorable mention, uh, most deaf little brother. Oh, that sample? Yo, there's just a big podcast about Questlove's whole career, and of course a lot of it was about Dilla, and he said that's hands down his, and that's uh, most deaf and Talib Kweli, I think, on that song, because I went, yeah. and they rapped that to a cassette 
demo. Like that, and it's it still sounds. Insane. I was not familiar with that tune till that recent Questlove podcast. And shout out to Open Mike Eagle, who was the host for that. Uh, what had happened was podcast with Questlove. At the helm. Kevin and Jedediah, we could literally talk about this for the man's oh. entire birthday, but let's go listen to some Jay Dilla. And thank you so much for spending some time on Jazz 88 Chan about one of our heroes.